Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Thursday, February 8th. Happy Propose Day, which is day number two of Valentine's week when you fellas are supposed to cowboy up and ask that girl you've been stringing along to marry you. So quit putting it off, because like I keep saying, big, healthy Christian families is what scares the bee system the most. And the farther away we get from that, the less of a threat we are. If you are still as yet unaffiliated, then grow a spine and ask that girl out from singles group you've been staring sideways at for weeks. Here's what you do. Just take a shower, put on a shirt with no holes in it, comb that faux hawk or whatever weird hairstyles y'all are into, put on your best nose ring, stand up straight, walk right up to her, look her in the eye, and say, you pray here often? Or, want to come over for pure flicks and chill? Or, do you need prayer because I'm willing to lay hands on you? Or, I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized I don't have yours. Or, you're just like water, except Jesus turned you into fine. And if any of y'all do that, get your buddy to film it and send me the video. Now I know that for most young fellas, if you had the choice between talk to a pretty girl or wrestle a bear, you'd wrestle a bear. And I get that. Girls is intimidating. And the world wants you to think you'll never be happy till you find your perfect soulmate. But trust me, soulmates ain't a real thing. Or if they are, they're what y'all become over a lifetime, not where you start out. And the lie that there's only one person for you out there somewhere has left a trail of misery and broken homes in its wake. Best just be realistic and find some cutie who's similar to you and promise that you'll number one, protect each other from the world and B, work together to figure the rest of it out as y'all go. That's how godly marriages are made. Our reading for today is Exodus 28, 1-43, Matthew 25, 31-26, Psalm 31, 9-18, and Proverbs 8, 12, and 13. So if y'all are ready, course, fellas, she might just tell you to go fly a kite. But today is also National Kite Flying Day. So, win-win, sorta. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 7th in the Old Testament, we read Exodus 26, 1 through 27, 21. And there's not going to be much of an Old Testament review today, because this is mostly a list of instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And it sounds like a really nice place, all gold and silver and fine woven tapestries. And the only way to do this justice is to go through it verse by verse and explain every detail, and that would take a very long time. And I know y'all don't want to hear that, and I know I don't have time to do it, and I know I'm not qualified anyway. So instead, I'm just going to give like an overview. If you want a good detailed article, bible-history.com slash tabernacle is a good place to start. And tabernacle means dwelling place. And here, specifically, the dwelling place for the Lord. The Jews were going to wander in the desert for 40 years, though they didn't know it yet. So the tabernacle was a portable tent with a wooden framework to give it stability. The entire sanctuary consisted of three parts. An outer court enclosed by curtains supported on pillars. It was rectangular in shape and the entrance was on the east. And then a bronze altar of sacrifice, which was within the court, facing the entrance. And then the tabernacle itself, which was at the western part of the court. And the tabernacle was divided by a veil into two chambers. The first chamber was called the holy place with the table, lampstand, and altar of incense. Only priests were allowed into this section. The second chamber was called the holy of holies. It contained the Ark of the Covenant. Only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies, 
and only once a year on the Day of Atonement. So it's obvious that God is setting up the Jews with a very intricately detailed religious system involving the sacrifice of bulls and goats and stuff for atonement of sin. Except the thing is, Jesus was very anti-religion, and the Apostle Paul specifically told the Hebrews that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So why do it? Well, I say one big reason was to illustrate the futility of religion, so they'd worship the coming Messiah, because that's what all this shed blood points to. But also, it's important to understand what the Jewish idea of sin is. The word comes from the Hebrew word chita'ah, which means to miss the mark or to fall short. It's more about being inadequate to stand before God than it is about doing evil things. It absolutely encompasses our own moral sins. That's a big part of it. But a sin offering was also made in cases where people suffered from a bodily discharge or at the dedication of a new altar or when a Nazarite completes a vow of abstinence. The real goal of the sin offering was ritual purification. It was more about guarding the holy place sanctified by God's presence, from infection by impurity. It's about protecting the holy place from us, really. Because by definition, everything in the universe falls short of divine perfection and must therefore be ritually marked as acceptable to be on holy ground. The sin offering was applied to both people and inanimate objects to render them, at least temporarily, acceptable before God. They weren't unacceptable because they had done evil. The people had, but the altar is just an inanimate object but because they were imperfect. They fell short of the holy perfection that God's presence required. Because sin is what caused the whole cosmos to fall, not just the people. Paul says all of creation groans and travails waiting for the promise of his coming. Or to put it another way, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Sin is just like leaven in bread. It permeates every particle of it, just like sin does to every subatomic particle in the universe and everything that's made up of subatomic particles. And God's point with all this ritualism was to show the need for the Messiah. God gave Moses very specific instructions for this portable dwelling place so God could dwell among his people. It's to be ornate and made with precious material provided by his people. And there's a sacrifice for every sin. To be a free man, a conscience is necessary. And here God is giving them, and us for that matter, a good one. And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew 25, 1-30. And Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And if y'all will remember, according to the Jewish wedding custom, they didn't actually know when the bridegroom was going to show up because he was off building a place in his father's house for the bride to live. And he wouldn't come get her until that was finished. And it takes as long as it takes. So when he shows up, it's by surprise. So the bride has to be constantly ready. So these ten virgins read that the church. They go to wait for the bridegroom, who's Jesus. And five of them take enough oil for their lamps, and five don't take any. And oil is usually the Holy Spirit, because it indwells the lamp, I guess. So the bridegroom shows up at midnight while they're all asleep. And the ones with no oil, their light went out. They were backslidden. And they tried to get oil from the other five, which you can't do. So they then tried to get more oil to reconnect with the Holy Spirit, but by then it was too late. He'd already come and gone. So watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Then he tells them the parable of the talents, where this rich guy, who's Jesus, gives some money to three servants, as in spiritual giftings to the church, with the intention that they'll do something with it while he's away. 
during this current church age, and they'll multiply it for him. And two of them do and get rewarded. And one guy just sits on his gift and does nothing and just gives what he gave him back to him when he returns. So there was no reason to even give that one anything in the first place. So the master takes that little bit that was his anyway and gives it to the ones who already have stuff and kicks the loser out. And that's where we stopped reading. And here's what I get this time around reading these parables together. One, always be ready with faith in God to hold the line. No need to run off to have somebody or something fill our tank. And two, don't hide what the Lord has given and always multiply what the Lord's given. Hebrews 12, 2. Jesus is the author and the finisher of faith. And the Young's literal translation says it this way. Looking to the author and the perfecter of faith, Jesus, it's his faith. He gave it to us. So combining these two parables, be on the alert for the Lord, multiply, don't hide what he has given. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 31, 1 through 8, and that's a Psalm of David. And he says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. And that's a good prayer. And David follows his pattern of praying for help, then expressing his faith, where he says, into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. And then praise, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. But we only read as far as verse 8, so there's more. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 8, 1 through 11. And he's been talking about foolishness as a harlot woman, and now he switches back to wisdom as a woman. He says she stands up on top of high places and in the streets and calls out to the sons of man, O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Nothing I'm telling y'all is hard. Everything I say is just plain truth, and all y'all gotta do is receive my instruction. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. So wisdom is out in the open, high up to be seen by men, in the streets to be found by men. But folly, the foolish harlot woman, lurks in dark places to separate us from wisdom. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for February 8th is Exodus 28, 1-43. And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother, and his sons with him, from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, and an ephod, and a robe, and a broidered coat, a mitre, and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall take gold, and blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and of purple, of scarlet, and fine twine linen, with cunning work. It shall have the two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof, and so it shall be joined together. And the curious girdle of the ephod which is upon it shall be of the same according to the work thereof, even of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen. And thou shalt take two onyx stones, and grave on them the names of the children of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and the other six names of the rest on the other stone, according to their birth. 
with the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, shalt thou engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel. Thou shalt make them to be set in ouches of gold, and thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. And thou shalt make ouches of gold, and two chains of pure gold at the ends. Of wreathen work shalt thou make them, and fasten the wreathen chains to the ouches. And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it. Of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twine linen shalt thou make it. Four square it shall be, being doubled. A span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set it in settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, and an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. And the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel twelve, according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate chains at the ends of wreathen work of pure gold. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate two rings of gold, and shalt put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And thou shalt put the two wreathen chains of gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the two wreathen chains thou shalt fasten in the two ouches, and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. And thou shalt make two rings of gold, and thou shalt put them upon the two ends of the breastplate in the border thereof, which is in the side of the ephod inward. And two other rings of gold thou shalt make, and put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath, toward the forepart thereof, over against the other coupling thereof, above the curious girdle of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof, unto the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, that it may be above the curious girdle of the ephod, and that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart, when he goeth in unto the holy place, for a memorial before the Lord continually. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. And thou shalt make the robe of the ephod all of blue. And there shall be an hole in the top of it, in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of woven work round about the hole of it, as it were the hole of a haberjan, that it be not rent. And beneath, upon the hem of it, thou shalt make pomegranates of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, round about the hem thereof, and bells of gold between them round about. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, upon the hem of the robe round about. And it shall be upon Aaron to minister, and his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord, and when he cometh out, that he die not. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. And thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen, and thou shalt make the mitre of fine linen, and thou shalt make the girdle of needlework. And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them for glory and beauty. And thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother, and his sons with him, 
and shalt anoint them, and consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness, from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. And they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons, when they come in unto the tabernacle of the congregation, or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place, that they bear not iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever unto him and his seed after him. And our reading in the New Testament for February 8th is Matthew twenty-five thirty-one through twenty-six thirteen. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee an hungered, and fed thee? Or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in? Or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee an hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Chapter 26 And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman, having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head, as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much, and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. And our reading in Psalms for February 8th is Psalm 31, 9-18. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to mine acquaintance. 
They that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed, and let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. And our reading in Proverbs for February 8th is Proverbs 8, 12, and 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. And that's got it for the eighth. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Ruth 2, verse 1, which says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player and meditate on how all this was the plan from the beginning because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, the book of Ruth is rich with wisdom, not the least of which is the prophetic lesson of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. How amazing is your orchestration, Father! For because Naomi's sons took Gentile brides, and because the mother of Boaz was a Gentile, he was able to act out prophecy by his redemption of the Gentile Ruth. And very soon, another kinsman redeemer will return for his Gentile bride, and we will join him in the air for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawlin' I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody that's listening, and let this podcast be helpful to them in some way. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing you can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family and each other. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you're not going to make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And my Bible app crashed. Okay, here we go.